0: now for something completely different Ah! forget everything you've been told by others before get ready for the real deal the full story real talk about money markets life now it's the real investment show presented by ria advisors
1: welcome to the real investment show financial fitness friday edition i'm danny ratliff here with john penn thank you guys for joining us today If you are in Texas, or Houston specifically, it is Go Texan Day. Left my cowboy hat at home, guys. Or actually on the horse outside, but. Put him in the stable out front. In the stable, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that's what we do down here, Mm -hmm. right? We all ride horse. Now, however, the trail ride did end, and the rodeo is in full effect now. So I'm sure it's going to be a light morning here in Houston, considering everybody's at the uh, World Championship cook-off this weekend. So I guess we can say and do what we want, John. So I figured we'll do some trivia today. Um, we're just going to hang out and have a little fun.
2: Hey, actually, it's go Texan Day. I actually wore jeans today. You wore I'm a, jeans? I'm a rebel. You're a rebel? Yeah, I live life on the edge. I didn't
1: see the cowboy boots, so I'm a little disappointed. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I um, left those at home. All right, well, I, I really don't own a pair. I'm just being full and honest here this morning. I just
1: figured you wear your cowboy Crocs.
2: That's it? Yeah, cowboy Crocs. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, Works haven't given, for me. I haven't given up on life yet, so I don't wear Crocs. <laughs> um, so seriously, though, real quick, before we jump into markets, you don't own a pair of cowboy boots? Oh. I know. I, no, I, I mean, don't.
2: Yeah, I know. My wife's probably listening right now. I am one of those. Uh, I am one of those. Uh, but yeah, I've been in, I, I know it's a shame. I've been in Houston now for probably close to 25 years. I'll get some cowboy boots this year, Danny. And I'll, I'm going to wear them in here to the show. We're going to so, make it happen. All huh? right, all right. Good. A word of advice buy some real boots. Yeah. Go to a real boot shop and get them done right. Otherwise, they're going to foul up your feet. Just saying. Yeah. You want to splurge on those. You don't want to go you, you want you to don't, want, don't want to go chintzy on the spend boots. Spend good money on boots, yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, look, you can get married and you can get buried in them. So <laughs> yeah. You know, that's kind of the way I look at it. But hey, so yesterday broke a tad bit of a streak, bounced off 50-day moving average. We did see markets respond well yesterday. Today futures are pointing down as we're, you know, trying to digest a whole lot of data that's about to come out. So really looking at personal consumption expenditures this morning, you know, this is gonna be what the Fed typically looks at. And the inflation numbers, this inflation number is going to be very interesting to see where this goes, especially with the Fed back against the wall. I mean, they're so far behind the curve here. And, you know, we'd initially thought that we're going to potentially see them start, uh, you know, stopping the rate hikes potentially in February, maybe March. Looks like they'll go through April and odds are now that they'll likely go through June these numbers today are going to be extremely important to figure out exactly what they're going to do. You know, looking at bond yields, bonds have been soaring. Did see the 10-year drop just a tad bit yesterday, uh, finished today at 3.91. But the two-year, which is really sensitive to the Fed rate hikes, is at 4.72. Mm-hmm. And this has gone up about 50 basis points just in the last month since February. And so we are seeing the yield curve is still very inverted. Um, you know, we were talking before the show, you can go out and get a six month T bill at, you know, well over five, a little bit over 5%. Mm -hmm. So interesting environment where, you know, we still haven't seen this quite the risk off trade and environment that, you know, we would usually see us rates begin to get a little bit higher. And I'm not sure if everybody's convinced that we're not going to see quite a bit more. So, um, you know, target rate is in terminal rate for what the fed's looking to hike to has gone up a bit. And, the issue now is, you know, as we're continuing to, you know, really understand what this data means and looking in the rearview mirror, as we've discussed, and then trying to remember that, you know, where we're driving to, that's behind us. And it's the market's going to look out in front of us now, we are at a, a very critical point from a technical perspective, meaning that we could break down from here. But so far, holding support, futures aren't pointing positive as of yet, but I think if data shows uh, maybe things are a little bit weaker. This may be that environment where good news is bad news and bad news is good news because the Fed may pull off the accelerator a tad bit. Um, I don't know, John. This is going to be something to watch for. And, and I don't have any predictions on this. You know, usually on the Friday shows, Rich and I will, will give a little bit of a... Get your crystal ball out. Man, it's been broken. Yeah. It, it really has on a short-term basis. I mean, this has been a difficult environment and, and really challenging. I think people are feeling it too, where this year we started off the, the markets on such a run. You know, going into the year... I think everybody was kind of down in the doldrums. It's the market in December didn't perform real well. Um, now, we've been in that technical bull market, uh, at least changing the trend here for a moment. And, you know, that's where we have to be cautious. Is, is this a head fake um, or does this have is this a real move forward? And I don't think that, you know, you're going to get the guys to say they know exactly what's happened if they do you need to be cautious because this is an environment where you need to be prepared to call an audible and do so quickly because these markets are changing. The Fed is changing quickly. If we look back just even a year two years ago, the Fed was still on the transitory and that mm-hmm. inflation is not very sticky. And, man, it has been a lot more persistent um, than I think they even considered. And now where does that target range change? You know, they're shooting for 2% inflation. I don't see how they get there. We couldn't manufacture 2% inflation pre-pandemic for a decade, really. I mean, so what are you seeing right now, and, and, and what do you think about this current environment?
2: You know, I well, I would say at least the positive side of the Fed being so aggressive with raising rates, at least for, for the first time in a long time, you can earn a better yield on your cash or cash alternatives, right? At least. yeah, right. I mean, great. there's a lot of uncertainty with the equity market, I would say. And and definitely the folks that I've been visiting with, yes, they're concerned about that. But you know, even our approach right now, Danny, and you you know this, we have enough exposure to the market, equity wise, where if there is strength or there's you know there's positive performance, you know at least we can participate. But at the same time, we're still holding, you know, a, a pretty hefty percentage in cash and cash alternatives to take advantage of those higher yields. Plus, it gives us some powder so that if the market does deteriorate from here, you know, we can buy things at a better value. We may not get the rock bottom price, but at least we can get you know, investments at a at a better value than where they were before. But even, you know, two years ago, when I was visiting with individuals and families and they were just looking for an area to park some cash, maybe they were waiting to buy a home or buy some land. You know, they were saying, John, hey, I want to find something that I can put my money into that's liquid, my principal safe. and I'd like to earn about three to four percent. And at the time it didn't exist. Yeah, I would say, hey, if you can find that, let me know. But now, at least with the Fed raising rates, at least you, you have those available options for your cash balances. But you know, to your point, Danny, you know, I, you know, I, I think the Fed has made it very clear that they're still on the path of, of taking the steps necessary to, to get inflation under, under control.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And so what does this mean for for the average Joe out there? I mean, I think that this is important that we don't make emotional rash decisions. You know, market is still up for the year. So s and is up about four and a half percent. NASDAQ has been on a run up just over 10. So we, we've we erased some of these gains, but the gains that we have actually seen this year are already are typically would be what we consider a pretty darn good year for mm-hmm. a full 12 months. And, you know, we're looking at this on a calendar year basis, and which is what most people do. However, we need to we need to think of a little bit longer term with this. Now, we're not advocating necessarily buy and hold, but we also don't want to make those emotional decisions because this is where we're getting a lot of feedback. And, you know, it felt good for a bit. And now we're we're back in thinking, oh, shoot, is this thing about to get a whole lot worse? And, and it could. I think one of the bigger issues right now is that what actually happens? Is there something brewing out there that has more systemic risk? Than just a, a typical normal recession you know that's what we have to to guard against is that what are the things that that are not being considered or that not even that not being considered but just nobody knows it hasn't reared its ugly head quite yet and this is what makes this type of environment so difficult to be invested in because there are companies right now and i, I look i think we're cautiously optimistic in a lot of areas we're able to go out you can find yield you can lock in some rates I think you're gonna have a generational bond buying opportunity here before too long I mean this is gonna be something that granted I know it's felt really bad last year and a lot of people just said hey I'm not gonna be in these areas I think there's gonna be some nice opportunities within that mm-hmm. and then picking stocks which has not been in vogue everybody's gone towards ETF and index investing that's gonna be something that I think that if you know how to read a balance sheet you're gonna have a significant leg up on many so We're going to talk about that and more when we get back. Talk about four tax smart moves you can still make for 2022. You'll listen to Real Investment Show with John Penn and Danny Ratliff. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back after this break.
0: you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com The Real Investment Show YouTube channel has all our videos
1: ready for your easy access. Now with the new and improved Before the Bell reports, Candid Coffee, and Lunch and Learn replays, plus each day's radio shows like Technically Speaking
2: Tuesday, Financial Fitness Friday, and the latest analysis from Lance Roberts and Michael levowitz
1: Subscribe and bookmark our YouTube channel for The Real Investment Show, or just click on the show links at Real RealInvestmentAdvice.com. Real InvestmentAdvice.com.
0: The Real Investment Show.
1: Welcome back to the Real Investment Show, Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. So talk a little about markets. Markets still futures pointing down just a bit, rates a little bit unchanged. Um, you know, want to get to some tax moves. I know 2022 is also in the rear view. However, you still have some opportunity to potentially save some money on taxes. And, and John, this is one thing that we we do discuss quite frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, there's as a financial advisor, there's only so many things you can control, right? Asset allocation, how you're investing, uh, you know, timing, which, you know, we're not per se market timers getting all the way in or all the way, all the way out. However, we do increase exposure and decrease exposure in, in certain environments. Um, but one thing that i think is often overlooked is tax planning and granted we're not cpas Um, we don't do taxes however we work with a lot of them and we do a lot of work on the back end to make sure that the moves that you make can help put more money in your pocket now these aren't going to be anything that's going to be mind-blowing it's not something that's uh you know there's no uh fountain of youth here but Just timely moves that, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that often overlook because we feel like, hey, we're in 2023, can't do anything for the prior year. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about some of the easy, low-hanging fruit, John, that, you know, you've been helping people with here recently.
2: Yeah, I mean, just, um, you know, kind of the basics a little bit about, you know, hey, if you need to reduce your taxable income for 2022, you know, hey, talk to your CPA or tax advisor about making a deductible contribution to a traditional IRA, right? Um, You know, if you're, if you're over 50, you know, you can put in an additional uh, thousand dollars. So for a total of $7,000 for, for 2022, you know, I find um, that a, a lot of folks don't know that if there is a married couple, Danny, and maybe one spouse is working and has earned income, and maybe there's a, a stay-at-home spouse or somebody taking care of the household that doesn't quote-unquote have earned income. The working spouse can make a spousal contribution to an IRA for the non-working spouse, right? Yeah, that's a great point. So then, now if you're both over 50 years young, now that's you know that's fourteen thousand dollars that you can contribute to an IRA for, for 2022. So just little things along those lines. And if you're a, if and then um, now there's, you know, we're big fans of the Roth IRA. Right. Yep. So now if you make a contribution to a Roth IRA, that's not a deductible contribution. You're going to pay the tax now. Right. With after tax money. Then when that money comes out of the IRA, out of that Roth later in life, it's all tax free. But there is something to be said sometimes when you look at your your tax bracket, you know, getting towards the end or or, well, I'll take a step back. When you look at your look look at your income for 2022, for example, maybe there's uh, you have a little bit of a window where you can. You can um, convert some money from a traditional IRA to a Roth. Pay the tax now. And be, know we're kind of talking about saving taxes, but you can pay the tax now, which we think will help you save taxes later in the future. Because again, we were talking a little bit about our crystal ball in the first session. Nobody knows what the future holds, but we don't think income tax rates will be going any lower
1: as we get older. Right. Well, and that, but that conversion has to be by done by 1231, correct. Correct. not something that, so let's correct. make sure we understand that that's not something we can do now for 2022. Um, that is a, a hard, December 31st right. Yeah. That's correct. a hard stop. But I, I like what you're saying. And so you can potentially lower your tax bracket, um, put some funds aside. Now you do have to be cautious in the sense of if you're both contributing to a 401k at work, um, income limitations, you may be making non-deductible contributions. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do find this often where somebody says, hey, I've maxed out this, and we start going through all the, the, uh, the options that they currently have and the income levels that they have, and they're not making the deductible contributions, nor are they keeping up with it. So it's a form you, you have to file each year, um, and your CPA should be helping you with this to make sure that when you take these funds out, since you're not taking a deductible contribution, that you're not being taxed on them again, because Uncle Sam would love you. And love to tax those funds once again. But we want to make sure that you don't. So if you're making non-deductible contributions, make sure you get with your CPA. Make sure you're filing the appropriate paperwork each year. That way, you're not going to get uh, double taxed further down the road. Now, another one, if you're a business owner, and this one actually has a little bit further more legs to it. So the tax day this year is, what, April 17th? Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a business owner and you even file an extension, you could potentially set up a Roth and make a deductible contribution to it. So you're allowed as a business owner to set up a 20% of your net income for self employment, or $61,000, whichever is less you can contribute for 2022. Now, keep in mind, if you do have W2 employees, you will be required to contribute to them as well. And so this is one of the the avenues that I think if you're a sole proprietorship, great opportunity, if it's a if it's a family business, Great opportunities to put funds aside. And you're not going to have that hard date of that April 17th either. Mm-hmm. Gives you a little bit more flexibility, the ability to put more funds away. Um, but, you know, this is one of those deals where you want to talk to your CPA. Make sure you get a very good understanding as far as what your tax burden will be so you can make those contributions. And you don't overfund it. Um, that can be a pain in the rear later, trying to unwind that. mm mm-hmm.
2: so, yeah, And I like what you were saying earlier about the traditional IRA. Excuse me. You know, anybody, if, as long as you have earned income, anybody can make a contribution to a traditional IRA. But you have to be careful because sometimes those contributions are deductible or they're not deductible. Yeah. Right. Especially if you're a participant in a qualified plan, if you're participating in your four hundred one k plan, mm-hmm. there's a lot of minutiae in there that you really need to pay attention to. So, like you said, you really want to visit with your CPA or tax advisor to really make sure you're, you know, following the guidelines there.
1: Yeah, right? that's absolutely right. And and keep in mind, I know, we we beat this quite a bit in the sense of, you know, this tax code. Is, is a really advantageous right now to you. Brackets have in, have increased, um, the, the rates have shrank. We are likely going back to the old tax code. I mean, we're talking you hear politicians talk on a regular basis about raising taxes. This will be something that will be needed because they don't produce any revenue. You do. So they're going to come knocking on your door for a bigger piece of the pie. And so the way that I always uh, explain, you know a traditional IRA a 401k, any of these retirement accounts, and why we advocate and like the Roth, because it does give you more flexibility, especially if you believe taxes are going higher. Mm -hmm. But I want you to envision this type of an account. It's a business. And so John and I have a business. We're business partners beforehand. We set the arrangement of how much John owns, how much I own. And that's pretty much set in stone, where we we have a very good understanding. But when you have an IRA or a 401k or any tax-deferred account, you're in business with Uncle Sam. The biggest difference here, though, is that they can change the rules anytime they want. They can go and increase their ownership. And so this is something that's really difficult to plan for because we don't know what what that number will be. But assuming specific tax brackets, that could change. And so what you think you have right now for retirement, if you have a million dollars in an account, you don't necessarily have a million dollars. Because depending on how you withdraw these funds, you're going to be taxed. And you're only going to get X amount. Maybe it's 800000 Maybe you're in a really low tax bracket and it's going to be extremely minimal. Maybe you've got 880000 mm-hmm. uh, But if they change those numbers, you could get blindsided. And, and you know, the other things we talk about are you know, Social Security's tax, Medicare, IRMA, sir, premium surcharges. You know, those are other issues. But just to make it really simple, you need to be considerate of when you put these funds aside today, while wow, that's great getting this tax break, it may come back to bite you later. And so that's just one thing, you know, as we're discussing these, I want you to really be aware of um, the Roth. That's why we do love the Roth IRAs, the Roth 401ks. Um, you can't go back and contribute for 2022 for the Roth 401k, but no income limitations. So that's that's another really, I think, untapped and unused tool that is gaining in popularity. And, you know, especially as we're we're talking to folks that are still working and uh that's a great avenue to put funds aside. Maybe it's not everything but finding a strategy to put aside a little bit in each. Now, what's another strategy that that somebody could utilize that uh, for 2022 to put some funds aside, John? Yeah, and this
2: is I think this is your favorite account. That's the health savings oh, account yeah. or the HSA, right? I mean, I mean, it's really you get a uh, you know the triple tax benefit there. When you make a contribution to a health savings account, the contribution is' you know, it's tax deductible. You know, the money that's in the HSA grows potentially tax-free if the withdrawals from that HSA account are used for qualified medical expenses. And what's great about a health savings account, what I found too, Danny, that a lot of folks don't realize is, you know, after a certain dollar amount goes into that health savings account, that money doesn't have to just sit in cash or in a money market fund. You can actually invest the assets within your health savings account for growth if you're not planning on using those assets for many years. So it's almost like an IRA for, that's dedicated for health savings, right? So, uh, and you can still make contributions to your health savings account for 2022, even though we're past December 31st of last year.
1: All right, so break break this down though. So so people really get a good understanding yeah. on how this really works. So yeah. that triple tax benefit, explain that.
2: Yeah, so, um, so basically, the the contributions reduce your taxable income. So so if for individuals for 2022 an individual can put three thousand six hundred fifty dollars into their uh, into their HSA. If for a for a family that amount is seventy three hundred dollars. Right. So that that will reduce your income if you put that amount of money into a health savings account. If you're over 55 years young, you have the ability to put in an additional $1,000 on top of those previous amounts that I just mentioned. So there's a catch-up provision there. So it's a way, let's say if you've already, let's say you maxed out your 401k plan last year. Let's say you've maxed out your IRAs. You know, here's another vehicle. As long as you participate or are covered by a high-deductible health plan, uh, th- this is another avenue where you can save you know, potentially some additional dollars from, from a tax-saving standpoint.
1: Yeah, this is a great tool. So that triple tax benefit is is awesome, right? And it, this is my favorite account. Um, this is one account I get really excited about. Unfortunately, they don't allow you to put a whole lot of funds into it. Now, one caveat, if you are working for somebody, you know, a lot of times that you may be a, a, a business owner and you're doing this on your own, it's a little bit easier to dictate where those funds go. You may have to call your benefits group and say, hey, I want to make contributions to 2022. So want to finish up, talk a little bit more about the HSA, a couple more tips on how to save money in uh, for 2022 in 2023. And then I want to get into my least favorite investment, the traditional target date funds, and maybe some new options for that, the good, bad, and the ugly with that. You're listening to Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. Thanks for joining. We'll be right back.
0: real investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com
1: welcome back to the real investment show financial fitness friday i hope everybody's off to a great start um i know weather is kind of all over the place these days Hot, it's cold, it's hot, it's cold. Got a little fog coming in this morning, yeah, little there was a little mist, little fog this morning. Driving through the fog, it's like a bad movie or something, it's like that every day. Yeah, so hey, talking about some tax tips to help save you guys some money that you can still do for 2022. So, discuss you know, potentially the, the potential ability to put funds into a traditional IRA uh, for the prior year, even a Roth IRA up until the tax date putting funds into business IRAs like SEPs, Simples. Um, these are things that you can still do. But we were talking about the HSA, and, and this is my favorite account because you do get the triple tax benefit. And one thing do want to make um, sure you guys you know take, take note of is that while you can put 36, uh, 3650 so $3,650 for an individual into an account, for a family, $7,300. Mm-hmm. If you and your spouse both have one, That doesn't mean you can both put $7,300 into it. So be careful. This is where the IRS may come back and and get after you a bit. But one thing that I think that is really important is that this is not an FSA. There's a lot of confusion, John, between FSAs and HSAs. So FSAs are flexible spending accounts. You're typically going to need to spend those throughout the year. Um, Some have a hard deadline of December 31st. Some will let you allow you up until about the tax day or usually about March 1st to go ahead and, and spend those funds because if you don't use it, you lose it on an FSA. Mm-hmm. An HSA allows you the ability similar to a retirement account to roll these funds over. And so the idea right now, would, we would encourage you, because of what we know to be how much people spend in retirement on health care, we would encourage you to go ahead and try not to spend the funds you put in here, pay everything out of pocket, and let those funds grow. Um, now, we generally want to put and what I advise people generally is to you want a year or two of healthcare premiums set aside, and a safer investment. Because what happens if you lose your job, something happens? I mean, ideally, I'd still prefer you not touch that. However, we know life happens. So you'd want to put enough in those f- accounts. In a safer investment, especially like you were talking about earlier, John, you can actually get some yield. Mm -hmm. You may have to search for it because sometimes, you know, your limitations are uh, your investment options are limited. But this is an area where I think if you put some funds set aside in a safe spot, then you can go and invest on top of that. Because, you know, we do want you to see that growth. I mean, keeping up with inflation is becoming a lot more difficult, especially you've got inflation, you've got bad markets. Um, But, I think you've got the wind at your back in a couple in a couple of ways here before too long. So um, HSA, don't rule those out. Don't use them like an FSA. Continue to put funds aside in that area. I mean, we look at like health use services. Says so the average couple at 65 is going to spend over 350 thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, you know, plenty of studies that show you're going to spend between three and four hundred thousand dollars on healthcare in retirement, and that's a huge number. I think that scares people to death.
2: Yeah, you have to watch the little rule here around HSAs that is, you know, I know where I mentioned earlier that HSAs are almost like an IRA for for health savings. Some different rules when it comes to taking a non-qualified withdrawal from an HSA, you have to watch that magical age of 65. If you take a withdrawal from a health savings account before you're 65 years young and that withdrawals for a non-qualified medical expense, on that amount that comes out of the HSA, you'll pay tax plus a 10% penalty on that. So you have to look at age 65 for that. But if it's a qualified medical expense, when it comes out of the HSA, Danny, as you mentioned, you know, that's, that's tax-free money.
1: Yep, and, and the other caveat too, is that if you are over 65 and take it out for non-medical use, then you, you are only going to pay the, the, um, the taxes on it, right? right? You don't have that 10% penalty at that point, and but- Actually,
2: I misspoke, it's a 20% penalty, not 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's not nice. Yeah. So that's even worse.
1: But I think if you use these accounts properly, these, these are a great tool in the toolbox. I think, you know, if we can have multiple ways that you can make distributions, this is going to help, right? We mm-hmm. want as much flexibility in retirement to mitigate taxes, and this is a, a really good way to do so. Um, any, any final parting words on HSAs? We like them.
2: You know, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially, but if you, you have to look at, you know, where are you maximizing your other savings first? And, and I like what you said, Danny, about, hey, if you have this money in an HSA, you have a lot more flexibility on how you can invest it. I, I like what you said about having a year or two of expenses set aside, you know, safe, you know, just earning some interest right now. You can pick up better yields with a higher interest rate environment that we're in. And then for anything that's over two years, you can invest it for, for growth.
1: Yeah, no, yep. it, it's great. You can also use these funds for... um you know, long-term care insurance, mm-hmm. you can use it for Medicare expenses. Um, there is a lot. And especially as we age, we're going to use it more and more. Um, don't use it. You're not going to lose it. But these funds continue to roll, and that way you have the flexibility in retirement. So um, one last tip. What, what is something, that, and this is something I think that a lot of people in this stage right now are saying, nothing I can do, not going to do it. What is it? Oh,
2: itemizing your taxes, versus yeah. maybe taking the standard deduction but that standard deduction's pretty healthy you know especially for a married couple but i mean you can still depending on the size of the mortgage of your home you can still you know deduct interest of up to you know 7 you know 750,000 um of uh, of mortgage you know it used to be um you know, prior to the date you used to be able to uh, you know di- i'm sorry itemize the uh, the interest if if the loan was a million dollars that was changed to 750,000 um, and you can still deduct, you know, $10,000 for, for property taxes, state and local income tax. And don't forget that medical, medical expenses that exceed 7.5% of your, of your AGI, of your adjusted gross income, can also be deducted. So if you're close, you know, you have to just take a look at your standard deduction, take a look if you itemize, and which one is more beneficial.
1: Yeah. I think because of the increase in the standard deduction, many people just said, Oh, forget it. I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't write anything off. I'm not going to itemize. And I feel like there's probably a lot of money left on the table because it does require a little bit of work, but this is something that, you know, our goal is you want to keep as much money in your pocket as possible. So I think too, too often we're so worried about returns and what markets are doing instead of also controlling what's the outflow. And this is a good way to control a little bit of that. And, you know, I know I don't want to give Uncle Sam any more than you have to, right? And I don't want you to either. So explore these tax tips. You know, Contribute to the, the traditional IRA if it's possible, if it makes sense. We do like the Roths, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, business owners, SEP IRAs, simple IRAs. Uh, max out the HSA for 2022 if you have not already. Be prepared to do that this year as well. And, and before we jump to another segment here, I, I want to touch on that one, just a little bit more. So there are times as we're talking about, you know, we talk about the hierarchy of savings and we actually had a, uh, a webinar yesterday talking about raising money-wise kids. Mm. So some tips about really more about, um, you know, money scripts and um, traits, like what are your money scripts? Do you have money focus, money avoidance? Um, you know, what do you do really well? And I think we all have a little bit of all of these in some ways, but noticing in your children you know, how to, how to look at this. And one thing we talked about in in a good question was the hierarchy of basically like, Hey, I have a college child, a college kid just graduated, no debt. What's the best place for them to invest and, and kind of getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but this is why it's important to understand the hierarchy of savings. And first we want to invest in an emergency fund. We then we may advocate for a financial vulnerability cushion, meaning a little bit more than what the the rules of thumb have been. So, depending on somebody's job, three to six months of expenses, maybe even twelve if you're sole, you know, if you're you're the breadwinner. Um, I think this is important, but then also it goes back to what kind of job you have. Is it volatile? Your pay. Um, if you like, we talk about if you're a tenured professor, you probably don't need as much as somebody who's on straight commission. Um, This is something that I think that needs to be considered first, right? So hierarchy of savings. But then, you know, we're talking about the HSA, and here's where I'm going with this, is that as we're contributing to a 401k, you want to at least get the match. And a lot of companies are now matching an HSA as well, the health savings account. Mm -hmm. So we may make an argument that you go and contribute. If you're not going to max them all out, which many people aren't, Go get the match in the 401k. Go max out the HSA. Then go back to the 401k. And if you have bandwidth for additional investments, have at it. There's plenty of options and opportunities. Rich and I are going to work on kind of an actual a, a flow chart, so to speak. Just kind of breaking that down to really you know make it very clear. But... I think that's something that's often overlooked john
2: I, I do too and um our we have we have two daughters danny they're both in college our oldest will be graduating this semester
1: hallelujah
2: um and so we've already got ha- a pay raise yeah that's it you'll i don't dance well but you will see me dancing out in the streets and maybe for that day i'll buy some cowboy boots but all right um, but so we've even been talking a lot of questions around you know and, and just with clients and parents with their children that are about to graduate or cl- or, or children that have just started their first job and it's you know, very much the, the principles that you're just laying out there, you know, setting money aside for savings, you know, making sure that there's plenty there for a rainy day. And then, hey, with their, with their retirement plans, options at work, what is this traditional 401k? What is this Roth 401k? How, how do these work? And what are the differences? And is there a better approach for me to take? And so uh, there's a lot to think about.
1: Yeah, there's so many moving parts and, you know, but that's why I think this is so important to make sure that you're taking the actions and taking the time just to understand what you have available, where you can put funds, what's the most beneficial for you. My goal would be is that if you're still working and you have you have some years left, that everything you have is not in a pre-tax account and you don't have much flexibility down the road, we want to go ahead and start thinking about building that financial plan, understanding where you're putting funds having multiple options to withdraw from. So as promised, next segment, my least favorite investment, the traditional (laughs) target date funds. We're gonna get into that. And tips and things other advisors are saying, good and bad, what does it mean to you? We'll be right back, thanks for joining.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
1: Welcome back to the Real Investment Show, Financial Fitness Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. So talk a bit about some tips you can do still for 2022 prior segments if you're just joining thank you um, we're gonna get into my favorite investment option no we're not so um, a lot of talk about target date funds and this seems to be the easiest place to put funds it's a set it and forget it and it is the the reason these funds are there is because they're the qualified deferred investment option for the trustees or plan administrators to take risk off of their back. Meaning, hey, we gave you options. So meaning that if you don't pick something and you're putting funds in, these are where the funds will typically automatically go. And in theory, they're not all bad. In practice, I think they're terrible. Because it is a set it and forget it. It is a overly diversified option typically. And now, granted, we're different in how we manage money, so we we probably view this through a different lens than most. Um, But the main selling point on these types of funds are that each year or several years, they have what they call a glide path. Over time, they start to reduce your risk, take the exposure out of stocks, move it into bonds. However, that glide path is not always your friend. And I don't think that that moves nearly as quickly as most people think. You know, we've talked about this pulling up a lot of different funds in the past and kind of sharing side-by-side comparisons. And I'm not going to bore you guys with that today. But a lot of accounts right now where it would assume that you are in retirement have a lot more stock exposure than I bet you'd think. And not to mention this last year probably got completely beat up because of the fixed income exposure as well, which everybody did, right? Worst year in fixed income since 1788. I mean, you can't say that without thinking. Wait, 1788. What? What is that? Is that a new uh, a Yellowstone type deal? Is that a,
2: That's like that's a prequel to 1883. Yeah. My goodness. That's
1: a Taylor Sheridan. Man.
2: No, yeah. this so, is a
1: fixed income market.
2: Yeah, I mean, so so I was just visiting with a with a lady this week, Danny, about looking at a at a target dated fund, and it was I'm not going to mention the fund company name. It doesn't matter. It's not the fund's fault. It's really nobody's fault. But uh, It was a a target dated 2025 fund, right? Okay. Well, it's 2023. So, fund has a target date two years. Meaning in two years is the ideal or optimal retirement date, right? Right. Okay. So. The way the client read it was, this was a two-year investment, which is a short-term investment, meaning, well, this should be a pretty safe, conservative, you know. She thought maybe it matured like a CD in 2025. You
1: know what? That's a great point, John. I don't think I've ever thought of it like that, obviously. I mean, being, you know, the stuff we deal with day-to-day, and I'm not sure I've ever had anybody... Describe it like that as yeah. far as what they thought. So that's a really good point. And I can
2: see how it can be interpreted that way, yeah. right? And so, and she was concerned because the performance of the fund last year, of course, it was a grinder of a year for a market. It just wasn't fun. And the, this fund was down 15.5% last year. And she said, you know, I thought I was really putting my money into something very safe, but nobody ever really explained what the fund was. And she admitted that she really didn't ask about it either, Right. But that fund, it's a, 20, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a target date of 2025. The amount of equity exposure in that fund, it, it still has an allocation of 55% to equities. And of that equity percentage, half of it is in U.S. domestic stocks. The other half is in, you know, in the international markets. And there's quite a bit of bond exposure in there, too. So it was just a double whammy all the way around for her last year right? And I just yeah. felt bad because she really thought it was an investment that was supposed to be something that would mature almost like a CD in two years. And that's the first time I ever really
1: had anybody interpret it that way, you know, but it can happen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so the the issue is that, you know, we're seeing, you know, we keep getting these studies talking about the average investors returns for 2022. And they're not good. I mean, we've hear, heard some that are well over 30%. Fidelity just came out the new one saying that, the retirees lost 23% of their 401k savings in 2022. S&P was down 18. Mm-hmm. Bonds were down 13. Mm-hmm. NASDAQ was down 32. And I think you get overly aggressive on the tech side, which is, which is likely, right? It's done so well. And if you're not watching it, I get it. And, and, you know, I think one of the bigger mistakes that most people make is that we look back at previous returns to invest. And, you know, the number one caveat, you look at any of these fun fact sheets Past performance does not guarantee future results, and this is a big reason why. But these target date funds are, I I think they can be problematic in the Mm -hmm. way people view those, and like you said, the interpretation of it is much different for most. And even being, so last year was a year that is tough, right, because everything went down but cash. But if you look at these funds, they're not excluding certain areas because of the market environment or the economic conditions. They're always going to be blanket invested. And they're going to whittle it down very slowly, but it's probably not at the pace you think. So take a look under the hood when you look at this. But so the reason we're getting this, John Chauvin, Emeritus Charles Schwab Professor of Economics at Stanford University and fellow author Daniel Walton have now made a very strong argument and did a study and analysis that instead of using target date funds, you should have deferred lifetime annuities inside of the 401ks. There's actually been legislation to allow for this. However, it has not been broadly adopted. This is something, one, I think it's pretty tedious. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And so we haven't seen the use of of deferred annuities within this. And so historically, the way this would look is it's kind of like setting up a pension. And I know Mm -hmm. they don't like that word, so to speak. But you're giving them these funds, and they are going to guarantee you a paycheck. Historically, for the remainder of your life. Or maybe on both you and your spouse. Um, There are some that offer cash refund, which is the only way I would do that. Meaning that because, like the traditional pension, if you don't take the lump sum, you could get one payment and God forbid something happens to you and your spouse, bam, money's gone. gone. Yeah, your heirs don't get anything. But on these, if you do these right, I think they can, they have some, there's some nice benefits to that in the sense that if that happens in that case, your kids, your heirs, your beneficiaries, whoever that is, are still going to get some funds. Um, But what they're advocating for is taking 10% of the balance every two years once you turn 60 and putting those into a deferred lifetime annuity. And that essentially will be turned on when you reach retirement age. And I can see some benefit to that. Um, However, I think the problem is the way most these 401ks work you're not getting a whole lot of guidance so what type of education is going to be done surrounding this i can see some pitfalls here john and that's what gives me a little bit of concern i can tell you right now i've got clients who have who have deferred annuities and usually they've been used for only a small portion and and i don't ever think it's something you put everything into and you know we're not you're not big annuity salesmen we're not big you know, we're not really big on any of this stuff, right? We want to be experts on it all and understand how these different types of investment vehicles can be used. And everybody's different. Some people may not need it at all. Some may not want it. Some people, um, it does something like this could make sense to kind of create that floor and provide for lifetime income. Now, with these though, my concern is, one, there's no education around it. If you're just plopping it into the, the 401k, all of a sudden you have the ability to go buy it. What are the requirements on the back end of this? What are the fees? You know, those can be historically rather high, right? That's a, that's a big reason a lot of people stay away from these types of investments. What are the, what's the ability to get out? I mean, mm-hmm. what do you see from a problem perspective? Yeah,
2: I, you know, when I was looking at this, I was, at first I was like, man, I don't like this at all. And then, uh, then yeah. it started to grow on me a little bit where I could see maybe for the right client in the right situation where something like this could be beneficial. You know, especially if you have, you know, a period of bond prices, you know, that are, I mean, as, as interest rates are changing, that affects the prices on bonds, that affects the underlying investment value of funds within your, within your retirement plans. You know, I could see where if you're incorporating these deferred annuities for at least that portion of the assets that are in the deferred annuities, you know, that money could potentially be more stable, right? Because at some point, you're just going to turn on the income stream and that's going to be fixed. And then to your point too, Danny, I started thinking about there's got to be, there has to be so much education around this because so many times when, when, even when we're putting financial plans together today, where folks are receiving a pension or they have the ability to receive a pension, there's not a lot of education around what their different pension options or annuity options are because usually it's, hey, just give me the maximum amount that I can receive, but then heaven forbid I receive one payment and then my spouse doesn't get anything, yeah right? Or my heirs get nothing. Right. So there has to, but so there's got to be some education around what are your distribution options. Yes, you may not get the full benefit if it's just based on my lifetime, for example. If it's, you know, if if the income stream is based on myself and my spouse, I'm going to earn a little bit less now. But heaven forbid, if something happens to me, I know that 100% of that benefit or 50% of that benefit or 75% of that benefit, whatever you choose, that my wife is still going to have an income stream if I should happen to predecease her. And and it, I'm afraid that if there isn't some real help or education around that, some folks could be really setting themselves up for a disaster.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's exactly the point. And, and how many times when you do a financial plan and you see all these different types of annuities that somebody's purchased and you ask them, okay, how does this work? I'd say 99% of the time, most people are not quite sure. Right. And because it's, it's, a, it's a lack of communication many times because once you, you've bought one, sometimes it's just kind of like set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry about it. It's good. So a lot of moving parts. I think things will be changing in the retirement industry. And these are things that you need to be kept up to speed on. So be cautious when you look at this. If you open your 401k and see this new investment option, say, I'm not sure what this is. Call your advisor. Call your benefits group. Call us. Go to realinvestmentadvice.com. Ask a question. We're always happy to help. Hey, thank you guys for joining us today. I know we got into some tedious information. Uh, always a pleasure to spend the morning with you guys. I'm Danny Ratliff. John Penn. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys next week.